0: those of you um if you're wondering i forgot to mention this pastor rick but today is the last day for giving if you want this on 2023's giving report um uh the day's not over but we do need to have it recorded today and all postmarkings done uh just a little legalistic issues we got to deal with but um if you see someone afterwards grab a grab a usher staff members and if there's something that you forgot that you're like i want to give i Just put my Thanksgiving offering in. That's how long it took me to get it. It's all right. I've had it written. It's just been hanging between my cabinet and the door, and I haven't brought it here. So I finally got that in before the end of the year. I'm proud of myself. Whew. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you in the name of Jesus, and God, we're here yet again on a Sunday that you have chose before the beginning of time. Father, those that are here are meant to hear the word of God today. We're going to preach to those that are here and not worry about the ones that are not. Father, we believe that we're going to receive the word that goes forth today. And, Father, that it's going to bring forth a supernatural change in our life. And that word will not return void unto you as it is spoke today into the hearts of these men and women, Father, and to our church. And it will change us as a people, God, today. Anoint my words, God. Use me in your way, Father. Anything that we've predetermined on this piece of paper, you can have your way today. Throw it out. Erase it and rewrite the story today that you would have told and preached today as it goes forth. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Shortly after uh, Pastor had uh, uh, passed away, Randy was woke up in the middle of night multiple times hearing the word new beginning, new beginning, new beginning, over and over and over. No matter what he did, these words kept ringing through his spirit all night. And he woke me up in the morning and immediately he said, I got to tell you this, the Lord says a new beginning. What does that mean? And, and immediately I was just taken back and I said, ran, I said, without doing any further study, the only thing I think of is that in the beginning, when God created, he said, he spoke forth what was going to occur and it happened. I said, God's calling a new beginning to only believe. It's not that we change who we are, it's not that. That it's a season that only be- believe begins to do what was done in the beginning. But we'll study it out, we'll, we'll, we'll work it out, and maybe we'll make a series on it. That's, that's what I told him. And so we just chucked it up on a shelf. There was a pastor to bury, there was a church to, to, to put back in, in the pews and to mend and begin the process of healing. And so we just tucked it away. And lo and behold, after we're done with our seed, the Savior... I'm like, well, there's a week in between our new prayer series, so what should we teach on? And I hear the word new beginning. When the Holy Spirit speaks to us about something, and I'm saying this, this to you too, and he shows us things or speaks a word in the middle of the night to you and I, it's like he gives us a nugget. But there's a responsibility to you and I for that nugget. It's not that we just tuck it away on a shelf and never come back. It's that we begin to pursue and seek after and start digging around the nugget. It's like an archaeologist. When you think you see something sticking up out of the dirt, you get the brush out and you start going, okay, I don't want to break this, but let me see what it is. What's he trying to reveal? What's the treasure that God's wanting you to cultivate it through the word and dig out the truth? We as a church, we as believers must be faithful that when God speaks something so small that we are faithful to dig it out like it's the biggest diamond in the world. Because remember, he builds line upon line, precept upon precept. He's building and making you and I into something more than we are today this is his plan this is his purpose for our life so as we lead the church we want to make sure that we never take the voice of the lord for granted and that we're always sensitive to his leading and that we follow through someone say follow through through. we as christians often we're really good starters really really good starters but often when it comes to follow through we just fall right down this i'm not a girl that does new year's resolutions I'm going to be honest with you, because follow through is my struggle. It's a struggle. I've got these great intentions. I texted a girl the other day, and I said, yeah, I'm going to, this weekend, I'm going to work out. And it was like Tuesday or Wednesday. And she's like, well, why don't you just start tomorrow and take the dog for a walk? Well, that never happened, but I had good intentions. You see? And it's the weekend, and I still haven't started. So I understand follow through. So let's go to the book of Genesis, which, by the way, means beginning. Beginning. I I don't know why I never knew that. I just knew that Genesis was where it all began. So we're going to read in the first verse and down through the fifth. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness, and he called, God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. Verse 6, and God said, Let there be a vault between the waters and separate the water from the water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. Verse 9. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. We go on through creation, thing after thing. And God said... And it was. One translation literally says, God said it, and that's what happened. God said it, and it happened. Sometimes, if you just take the word out and let it be so, it's like, I don't know, like maybe that's in process. It happened. You're looking at the sky above. You live by day and night. You don't walk out on water. You walk out on dry land. For some reason, the water knows where to stay and where it does not belong. I don't know how. I don't know why. Other than the fact God said it and it happened. So in the beginning, God created. Now let's go to Hebrews, the 11th chapter. I'm building some doctrine here for you today. Because it's very important. Sometimes people struggle with the idea of where some of their belief comes from. And I think that it's important. Uh, If you could do this in the KJV, I want to read this. Yeah. So this one, because a lot of you faithers out there know this by heart this way. And I don't want to undo what you already know. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. These are the people that were before us who were mature in faith, obtained a good report from the Lord because they grabbed onto a promise, they spoke the promise, they received the promise, and they confessed the promise, and they did not let go until the promise arrived. That's how they obtained the good report. Through faith, we, you and I, stand that the world, we believe that the world you and I live in was framed by the word of God so that things which are seen, meaning our mountains, our oceans, our ground, the, the, the metal, were not made of things which do appear. Do you understand that you and I would say, I want to make a mountain. We have a picture of what a mountain looks like in our mind because it's already been created. God didn't look at a mountain from another world and bring it here. He said, let there be, and it happened. What he spoke came Everything you and I have, you know, people think we're so creative. You're not creative. You're simply using everything around you to make it look different than it looked before. Musicians, I love you, create a new note. You can't. But when you get to heaven, there's going to be a melody that you've never heard before. And it's not of G, C, D, and F. It's going to be of a heavenly melody that he didn't give us those notes yet. He didn't give us those colors because he's the creator of all things. See, when he asked Adam to come in and name all the animals, he was saying, hey, Adam, come create with me. Come create. I'm going to show you what I've made, and I'm going to let you name it. Any thought you have, let it come out of your mouth, and it will be so. You realize the Adirondack is the Adirondack because Adam spoke, it's going to be the Adirondack. Yeah. <laughs> the woolly worm that we see on the road, it fall time, whether black, white, brown, whatever he looks like, that's because Adam said that's what we're going to name it. And God's like, good job. I bet Adam looked at God and said, how many more are there? <laughs> he said, oh, Adam, just start making stuff up. Just start making it up because whatever you say, it will be so. God invites you and I to create with him every single day. The word of God is what we speak and it becomes. By faith this world was literally framed and by faith you and I's lives are framed. But without it, you will not have boundaries. You will not have borders. Your sky will run into the earth. Your water will run into your dry land, and you'll just be tossed to and fro and living this life And what will be, will be. This is what God gave me. I'm just going to deal with it. When you could have so much more. I want every person in present in every pew or on social platform today to know, to know that our God, through his son Jesus, specializes in creating something new, taking something from nothing and turning it into something so beautiful. That's what he does. He's in the business, and new beginnings await all of us, all of us, just like in the beginning. God created. My life is a beginning and it is able to be created. Let's go to Isaiah 43rd chapter. Now, this is specifically speaking to the people of Israel, and I think that's important because Isaiah was a prophet. And here's a little backstory God's people were being influenced by surrounding cities, and they began to look more like the cities and the worlds around them then they were looking like God's people, if that makes sense. They were caught up into some idol worship. They had some images that they were beginning to spend more time with, that they were looking on. By the way, idol worship, though we don't carve a graven wood metal image any longer as an idol, we have other idols. An idol is simply simply something that you love, something or someone that you love more than God. That's it. That's it. Some of us can look at our wallet and we can see who our idol is. Because wherever your money goes, you must believe in that purpose. Just saying. Some of us can look at our time and say, where do we spend 90% of our time? Right? Is it our work? Is our work the idol that we put up there? Because really it's attached to money and it's attached to provision and it's attached to our security. So that's where we put it. Is it put in our bank account? Is that our worship? Because every day we're looking at the stock market, making sure that what we've invested isn't being ate away. And, and all we do is we're just consumed with how much we can store back, how much we can put away, how much can we save. I don't know if I'm secure enough. I don't know in this next season if I'm going to be able to make it. Is that where we're consumed? Because that's an idol. Some of us have made learning an idol. Yeah, as soon as we graduate with one degree, we got to go get another one. As soon as we get another, that's not enough, so we got to get another one. Is it attached to our identity? That you and I would have a title? Have you ever met those people? Hi, yeah, my name is such and such, and I, dar- I got a doctor's degree in this, 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 and this, and I went to this, and I went to that. What do you do for a living? <laughs> I'm like, this is your answer. Not as much as you've done. <laughs> don't even play that game. Don't play the name game. Give me a break. If they're going to drop names, just let them keep dropping their names. It's all right. Just shut up and don't drop one name. It's better. It puts them to story. My kids taught me, you want to know what the most, most judgmental thing you can say to anyone in the world. As they're talking to you, just go, hmm. (laughs) That's it. Don't respond. Don't respond. Because anything you say is going to be viewed through a skewed eye. Just go, hmm. I said, really? Not like, are you sure? Not to, hmm. (laughs) Whew. Some of the younger ones might say, put a side eye with that. Hmm. So anyways, the king of Babylon comes in as they're worshiping and he destroys the people's temple. He takes them into captivity and the Lord allows this because of their disobedience. Brother Rick, you were onto something earlier. You were saying that your disobedience matters. Oh, it does. See, because... They didn't have to be taken into captivity, but their disobedience allowed it to be so. Some of us are captive by sinful natures in our life because we disobeyed and the Lord has allowed Babylon to have its way with you and I. That's not a good place to be, just so you know. Isaiah the prophet writes to them while they're in captivity, and this is what he says. Forget the former things and do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Look at that. There is an exclamation mark. Do you see that? Or is it just me? I am doing a new thing. Woo! Actually, it's not, I'm doing a new thing. It's, I'm doing a new thing! Exclamation mark. Punctuation is important when reading the Bible. Like if it says, look, like some it says, behold, with an exclamation mark, that means look. <laughs> and then this one just said, see, comma, that I'm doing a new thing. <laughs> like, it's just aggressive. It's a good thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Question mark. I am making a way in the wilderness And streams in the wasteland. Forget the former things. Don't dwell in the past. Isaiah was showing the contrast in this actual scripture and the context of it. He was showing the contrast between the Old Testament, which was letter of the law. Remember how all the Pharisees keep getting in trouble? Because they're they're all about the law. They couldn't make the new covenant transfer they didn't understand that God was doing a new thing. They were still caught in the old way of doing things and everyone had to live a perfect life or they were just flat out going to hell. Well, I got news for you. There's a better covenant and a new way. God chose to do a new thing! Exclamation mark. And His name is Jesus. And no longer do we have to be concerned about making every single step right. He wants us to take a risk of faith, think we're going to make the mark, And we might miss it. And he's going to say, and that's okay. Okay, now I'm on it. And God forgives us and he washes us clean because the eternal sacrifice took the price for us. So no longer do we have to live in fear of missing the mark. Perfect love casts out all fear of your shortcomings. All fear of your failure. All fear of... Now... Don't get me wrong. You should have the fear of the Lord in your heart that if you miss the mark and do not repent, you're going to be captive in Babylon. And by the way, they were there for 70 years. That's a long time to be wrong and not know how to get out of the captivity. That's a real long time. The Messiah was coming, and Isaiah was prophesying that there's going to be a new way to do it. But in other words... All the past things that I've done. You understand this was after he went and delivered, sent Moses. I'm going to send you a deliverer. And Moses goes and escapes all the people out of Israel and crosses the Red Sea. He literally splits it. Chews up all of their enemies in a big flood. Washes them all away. Leads them with fire by night. Leads them with a cloud by day so they would have shade. Feeds them with bread falling from heaven for 40 years. And Isaiah is saying, forget the former forget the way God did it before he's chose a different route would you and I be able to forget the way God had done it before and accept him doing something new or are we so caught up in what we know he's going to do how he's going to do it what he's going to do that we're like yep this is the way it's going to happen and I'm okay but then when new tries to come I don't like new. I don't think this is new. That ain't Jesus. This is how he's going to do it. Oh, oh, that's right. That's right. Because you know more than the God of the universe. Someone is walking in a little bit of pride. Someone's walking in a little bit too much arrogance and needs to understand that the creator of the universe gets to lead our steps. You know, I often think there's a prophet that they said he was laying naked in the street. And that people walked by and wouldn't even hear what he had to say. Because that's not God. Why would he have him tear his clothes off and lay in the street? We'd walk by that person and say, you're crazy. Get up. Put some clothes on. He was being used by God. I know. I know. Hopefully that's not the new thing. (laughs) God was wanting them to forget not just their wrong. Not just where they had disobeyed, but to forget the way they had put him in a box and said, this is how our God works and he's going to drive us across that Red Sea just like he did before. He's going to save us from everything. No, I'm going to do it a little different this time because that didn't work. In fact, you just all became a bunch of legalistic people that couldn't keep the word of the Lord anyways you keep going back to your idols you keep going back this way so i'm going to make a better way for you how many of us are caught in our past our past mistakes our past failures and we can't get past them to even accept anything new it's not that we we don't even believe new's coming we're just so regretful and remorseful and so down on ourselves and so victim mentality all about this woe is me attitude that we can't get up and step out of the Myra muck and grab the Lord's hand and let him lead us because we're not worthy. We don't deserve it. You're right, you don't, but he did it. I'm doing a new thing, boom. A new thing, not an old thing. I'm gonna do it new. God's wanting us to let go. Someone say, let go, let go of my past so I can move forward. Have you ever met someone caught up in the old hairdo? I've talked about this before, you know, the big spray up with the Aquanet. We'd blow it dry really tight. Now, I, I preface this before I tell you this story. I called the, the gentleman that sends me worship songs from the 80s and the 90s. And he tells me every time he sends them, oh, these are so anointed. I'm like, yeah, they are. They are. What, 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 can we do those? those do, how about some of those old anointed hymns? How many of you know you did a hymn today? may know you did a hymn He's worthy of it all. That's a hymn. It's just got a little bit of a new melody, a little brush up, a little polished strokes on top of it. So that some of the younger generation will still want to sing he's worthy of it all. Because if you really Google he's worthy of it all, there is not many people alive that still sing he's worthy of it all that way. I'm not saying that's a bad way. What I'm saying is that we can be so caught up in the worship music of the 80s and 90s. That we can't see God's doing a new thing. That there's a different set of musicians that we don't play the synthesizers on our... Remember when the keyboard looked like a guitar? Yeah, we don't play those no more. There's a reason. Because it shifts, it changes. And, And we move with the shift and the change. But it doesn't mean that the message still isn't the same. Is it possible we were actually caught up in what God was doing in that time frame in our life. And we were actually closer to God then than we are now. So we felt the anointing. Everything we've just read says that faith goes by what? Things we don't see, things you don't feel, things you don't understand. Faith is walking in the dark even though you have no inclination of where you're going except there's a still small voice ahead of you going this way, this way, this way, this way, this way, this way. And sometimes God's going to get so close to me and he's like, this way. (laughs) Because I'm like, you're too far away and I'm not moving until you come closer. Is it possible that the things we want from the past are things that made us feel comfortable? We're not doing songs from the 80s and the 90s worship. I already talked to this guy before I used his story. There's a reason for that, because I don't wear my hair the same way. And I don't wear a robe and Jesus sandals either. You see, does it make it wrong? No. Does it mean that Jesus wearing sandals was wrong? No. Does it mean that we are standing on holy ground and I know that there are angels all around? Does that mean that song was bad in its time? No. It was amazing. I remember all the Pentecostals we'd take our shoes off because we're standing on holy ground. No, actually, we're probably over some ancient ruins right here that ain't real holy. (laughs) A Bunch of blood crying out from the ground, if you ask me. But the point was is that we were in that moment. Why is it that you could be in that moment, but you can't be in today's moment? (sighs) Because you're so busy looking at the things of the past and the way God did it that you won't accept the way he's doing it, exclamation mark. It's a new thing. And it's a good thing. Praise the Lord. It says, sometimes things have to be ended before a new beginning can begin. Sometimes there has to be things laid to rest in our life. Old habits, old thought patterns, the old way of doing things before something new can be birthed before the heart of the people will receive something new. An ending of negative thought patterns that lead us nowhere. Or they lead us somewhere that's no good. Now it springs forth, do you not perceive it? Do you not perceive it? Question mark. Can you see through the eyes of the Spirit and allow yourself to see and accept God's changes for your life? Can you see Him doing a new thing in you? See, I think of the, the, the National Treasure movie. How many of you have seen that? Oh, love that movie. <laughs> love the whole thing. I don't know why I just like it, and I'm not even a real big history buff. But there was a point in time that the only way they could read the encryption... To the independence, the declaration of independence that they stole was to find these special glasses that had these little filters like old school, you know, like Ben Franklin spectacles. But they had these little glasses that came down on top of it, which were like these mysterious lenses that allowed them to see something that no one else could see. Do you know as a believer you possess These mysterious spiritual glasses. And that when you and I look at the word through the eyes of faith, we slip those down on there. Faith comes alive. We say, oh yeah, I can do that. Oh, yeah, that's what God's doing. That's the new thing in my life. See, he's wanting to take you from brokenness to healing. He's wanting to take you from poverty to blessing. He's wanting to take your parenting skills from insecure and not so good to secure and the best parent on the list. Through the word of God. Through the word of God. Can you see it? Can you trust him? That Jesus has your best interest at heart it springs forth it springs forth how I don't know how I don't know how it says this it says spring forth and distancing ourselves from our past mistakes from our failures and embracing Christ in his likeness but listen to the scripture it says I am making that's not Nikki That's not Pastor Nicole, that's not Dave, that's not Ashley, that's not Pastor Phyllis. That's God is making a way. Someone say God is making a way. He's the one responsible. He's making a way in the desert. He's making streams in a wasteland for you and I. What is that? How do you think he does it? He speaks it. He speaks it into existence. He's breaking up the dry places of our lives. He's leading us into places where there's life and not death. He's taking you out of a wasteland. A wasteland. Guess what? There's nothing to drink there. There's nothing good there. Anything that's in a wasteland is broken, polluted, and poisoned. But when he puts streams in the middle of a wasteland and he creates water where there was no water... It's the living water. It's the water that will never run dry. It's the water that will not leave you thirsty when you take a drink of the living well. Amen. It's him making a way where there seems to be no way and you don't know how. You don't have to know how. You just have to trust that how is all being worked out because he's doing a new thing in your life. See, don't get me wrong. I understand what it's like to be in a wasteland. I understand what it's like to be at a hopeless place. But God tells us that he wants to change that place in our life. Go to 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. This is for a lot of us believers out there and then a lot of you that aren't. Here's what it says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ that means you're a christian he is a new creation the old has gone and the new has come god didn't come to make a portion of us new he came to make all of us new the way we love in our marriage maybe there's an intimate place that's broke he wants to make that place new he did you hear me he doesn't want you to ignore it until one of you dies He wants to make it new. He wants your marriage to be richer than it was in the day that you began. Some of us, you know, we, we get caught up just living together. Can I say that? We get caught up in doing life together, but we don't do the intimacy emotionally, spiritually, and physically well. We just become two people living in a house to fulfill a house, a home to try to make it the best we can. We don't have to stop there. It can be good, it can be richer, it can be better, it can be beautiful, it can be really, really good. But you gotta want really, really good and quit taking the former, quit taking the past and expect something new. The way you parent, the way you have peace in your home, you can make it new. The way you see money, whether it's greed or insecurity, he wants to take that space and fill it with a new way. Maybe there's some of us that have dead situations. We've just wrote them off in our life. We're like, yep, God can't fix that. I'm just going to push it over here because he can't fix it. You know, it takes two people to want to fix anything. That's not true. true. That's not true. My mom and dad were perfect examples that it does not take two people to fix any marriage. It took one who was willing to lay on her face before God and to cry out, and because she did, my father fell into line. It, he didn't. He didn't. It was my mother who made the exact... She was the one who took the steps towards Jesus. Not dad. And look at where he brought their marriage. It was beautiful. He healed it because one person was willing to lay down. One person. The word new means unused or unworn. We don't get a fixed life or a recycled life. We get a new life. It was as if our old failures and our old mindsets and our old habits never existed. Never existed. Don't get me wrong, we all have regrets. We all can look back on our life. You're not going to forget the failures that you had. But spiritually through the eyes of faith you forget your past mistakes you forget your past life you literally forget the way that God has done it in a, the past so that he can do a new way and you don't put him in a box 2024 is a time that we realign our hearts and our minds with him Let's go to Philippians, the third chapter, the 13th and 14th verse. Now, this is Paul, who was also known before a name change as Saul of Tarsus. That's where he came from. And he is writing this to the Philippian church. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, But I, Paul, talking, press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Hold up. Paul's telling us that everything that Christ took hold of on the cross, right? Death, hell, and the grave. He took it all for you and I. He took this cross so that you and I could live a sin-free life. He took the cross so that you and I could be blessed. He took the cross that you and I could have every promise in this book and it applied to our life and it be so. And it happened. And it happened. Okay, not it may happen, not it could happen if we live a good enough life, but that it happens for you and I. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet... To have taken hold of it. Paul's telling you, I'm in process. I'm doing my best to comprehend what it is at the cross in its fullness through the death and resurrection of our Lord. What it is that he did for us and how to possess it. Because he says I can have it all, but I'm in process. He said, but one thing I do. He's telling you what he don't have right, but he's telling you what he does have right. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now, how many of us are still, like this is us, straining to look ahead? Because here's what the devil does. We have peripheral sight, don't we? Some of us have really good peripheral sight. And all the devil has to do, he don't even have to put it in front of you. He just needs to bring it up that you can see the color, the shade of what's here right next to you. And before you know it, you're looking this way. How many of you driver's ed students I got in here? You're driving down the road, but oh, your hands are at 10, they're at 3. And you've got the middle of that car hood right like this far from the line on this side of the road. Because you know if you get off, you're not going to be able to do it. We were on a trip one time. Jimmy Pullman. We were on our way to the jet ski world of of Norris Lake somewhere down there. I don't know where we were going. Well, Randy needed a nap. And I had the pontoon trailer on. We had a double dually Ford diesel truck. White it was the ugliest thing I've ever seen. But not only was it bigger than I had ever driven, but it had a dually on the outside, but then there was a double dually. So it had double the width on these wheels coming out. So that meant that that concrete wall and that line and that semi got a real lot smaller. Now this was before we had any type of communication like cell phones that you just called and ring up. We all had walkie-talkies. This will tell you how old we were. And as long as we were within five miles of each other, we could hear each other on the interstate. We'd be like, we're behind a red truck. Why don't you guys haul it up a little bit more? We're never going to get there. Speed up. So we would all we we were all communicating. Randy's asleep. Chuck's in the the seat next to me. This is the guy we used to work with. He was coming down for the weekend. And I was driving, and I'm starting to sweat. Because there's construction everywhere. And you know how they cut that line out of the interstate? And they think they're helping us because when they cut that yellow line out, for sure we'll know that that's not where the line used to be because it'll pull our wheel into the line and make you go that way. Yeah, this is where I was, right? And I got this big pontoon boat on the back of a double dually truck that takes another six inches on each side. There's no more room for that wall. In fact, if that little ODOT guy hadn't put those brick walls in a perfectly straight line, we're going to have an accident. And I hear Jimmy on the line. Jimmy's in front. He's just powering through. I don't even think he ever goes less than 80. And he's always hauling something really big. And I've got the pontoon boat, so they've sandwiched me between them. And I hear Jimmy on the walkie-talkie. Nikki, you don't look at that truck on your right, and you don't look at that wall on your left. You look straight ahead, and you take every bit of room you need. That semi will move. <gasps> sweat dripping down me, and all I'm thinking is, don't you dare wake him up in the back. Don't you dare admit failure. You can do this. <laughs> and I'm hauling it through. and not, Come on, speed up. Get moving. Keep a line. Keep a line. And we're hauling in, buddy. I got out, and all of a sudden, the brick wall wasn't there yet. I had room. It was just me in the media and the median and those little things. But then the wall come in, and I'm like, Oh! And they go, conk, conk, conk. I'm like, yeah, who cares? And I took that wheel and I took it and I realized that day that it don't matter whoever takes the rooms, get in the room. But I couldn't look to the wall on my left or I was going to veer. I couldn't look to the semi on my right when them tires are right there in that dually truck. I'm like, those are the chompers of my life right now. I couldn't look. Because what you look at is what you're going to gravitate towards. See, the devil just puts the past in your peripheral view. Like the big tire on the semi. Come on, look over here. Look at me. Because as soon as you do, you're going to start to veer to the past. As soon as you start to look, oh, these changes over here. I don't like those brick walls coming in. I don't like change. I don't want to go through it. Guess what? You're going to start looking over here at the change, and the only thing you're going to see is change, 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 change. (laughs) I can't take no more change! And you got to run. And God's just like, stop looking. Forget the former. Forget the things that I did in the way you think I'm going to do them. Just look at me and power through. Take the room you need because the devil will move. I'm just telling you, that's who God is in our lives. You cannot look behind. You must strain to keep your mind ahead. This is who God is. In Acts, the ninth chapter, in third, we talk about Paul because Paul had an amazing experience. See, Paul was a hater of Christians. In fact, he knew the law so well that he was persecuting Christians unto death. And God called him out from persecuting Christians to writing 13 of the New Testament Gospels. 13 out of 27 was written by a bona fide murderer. And you read it and you don't judge Paul any day of your life. But if you knew you were sitting next to a pedophile or a murderer, an alcoholic, maybe a whoremonger, you'd be concerned about what your church has come to. One day, Paul has a Damascus experience where a light comes from heaven and it flashed all around him. And he falls to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Paul lifts up his voice. Who are you that I persecute? Like, who's talking to me? He's like, I am Jesus. Who you're persecuting. He's telling us that Paul persecuting the Christians is persecuting Christ himself. Do you realize when you look at a Christian who's trying to work it out, who might not have it all worked out, but the one thing, I'm not saying I've obtained it all. I'm saying that I'm striving. I'm trying to do the best that I can, but when you look at me indifferently, you are persecuting Christ himself. Church, know what power you have. Know what unity you can bring and what disunity and strife you can cause. Fast track to his ending. He was blind for three days and the Lord came to a man named Ananias and he told him to go to Saul or go, told Ananias to go to Saul and lay hands on him and that's where we're going to take off in the 17th chapter or 17th verse of the ninth chapter. It says, Then Ananias went to the house and he entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you will see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Hmm, I wonder if sight has to do with the Holy Spirit and the perception and the ability to see. Do we ignore that the Holy Spirit's with us? By the way, his first name is Holy In case you haven't met him, his name's Holy. Has our life become so dirty that we can't even hear the Holy Spirit on the walkie-talkie? Not that I'm saying Jimmy's life was holy. I don't know, but he was surely loud and clear on that walkie-talkie. Do we hear the Holy Spirit knocking? Do we hear him saying, no, 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 no. Don't do that. Do we hear him say, look again. Do you see what I see? Look at that situation again with your little spectacles of faith because God sees it differently than you and I. He lays hands on him. Immediately, something like scales fell off of Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized and after taking some food, He regained his strength. It says later that now known as Paul, that he began to grow. He began to grow strong in the things of the Lord. And he began to preach the gospel and who this Christ was to all of the people. And do you know who Paul number one came to talk to? You and I, the Gentiles. He wasn't for the Jewish people. He was to bring the Gentiles into the spirit of adoption. Now, I'd like to say that if Paul, Saul to Paul, can have a new beginning, so can you and I. This whole Bible is full of fresh starts. New beginnings for everyone that would accept him as, as Christ. Everyone. But here's what I ask you and I that are already saved. What in 2024... Will you be speaking your words towards to change? What will you be creating in your life in 2024? Will you be creating more doubt? No, that's not possible. No, that's not how Jesus works. No, that's not going to work like that. No, because you got your own way, your own thought of how it's going to work. Or are we going to perceive how the Holy Spirit wants to do 2024? How many of us are going to ask, what does 2024 look like? God, what would your will be for my life in 2024? Will we ask? Will we look towards? Will we create something different than we have? Or will we just accept where we are and just sit there? David's already shaking his hand, his head. He's going, no, I don't want to stay here. I don't either, Dave. I don't either. But here's what it's going to take. It's going to take persistence from you and I. God finished what he started. He started creating and he ended it and it said on the seventh day he rested. Do you know what that means, church? It doesn't mean that our Lord slept. It says our God does not sleep nor does he slumber. So why did he need rest? He rested in what he said on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And on Sunday, he sat back and watched the sun come up. The sun go down. The waters stay in their place. The fish are breeding. The people are breeding. It's a beautiful day. He's like, and that's good. Amen. What? What? I dare you to create a new beginning in 2024. I dare you. Find Monday. Find, now, look, I'm not going into this Jewish calendar. I don't know whether church was on Saturday, Sunday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Monday. I don't care what day it was. The bottom line was there were seven days in a week and six days were created and on the seventh he rested. Here's what I know. Pick your day. I don't care. On Monday, speak it and watch it happen. On Tuesday, speak it and watch it happen. And on Sunday, sit back and never create it again and thank God that you're resting in his word and that it will never come back void. I dare you to try what God did and let faith create a new destiny for who you are. Let faith create a house that needs work, that needs to be finished before a wedding and let God create it and finish that house. Let God create the life that you've always wanted in your marriage that you're afraid to take a risk on and begin to put words to a marriage with unity between your husband and wife and say, these are the things that are important in 2024 and stand until you see It done. Finish that what you started and don't give up until you see it complete. Know that God is faithful to do what he said he will do for you and I. Amen? Amen. Faith speaks before it sees. Hmm. If you desire your finances to be touched... The words to say are not, Lord, make me a millionaire before age 20. The words are, the word says you meet all of my needs according to your riches and glory. I thank you, Lord, that I'm generous. And according to your word that I always have enough to give, always give some, and at all times I am overflowing with blessing that I can do that which you've purposed me to do for your kingdom. Do you see that? Marriage, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Teach me, oh God, to love her the way Christ loves the church. Quit praying specifics. Quit praying that she'll iron your socks before you put them on. Because he who finds a wife finds a good thing. When you begin to appreciate her in the place that she's in, like Christ loved the church in the place that you were. God didn't require perfection before you came. He said, I'm so in love with you, I just want you to come like you are. Just come like you are and I'll take care of all the rest. Because the more you fall in love with me, the more you're going to want to do what I've asked you to do. Husbands, if you want your wife to iron your socks, being honest with you, do not, I'm not ironing his socks. Lord, you'd have to help me. Love her like Christ loved the church. Love her in her imperfection. Ladies, if you want your husband to, the ground you walk on, honor and respect his voice, his opinion, his way. Don't degrade him. Don't make him feel like your child. He is your equal, he is your husband. He's the one that makes you the best you you can be. And men, she's the one that makes you the best you you can be. You know, Randy and I had a fight a while ago and I told the young kids this the other day that were at the house. I said, you know, I said, we come to our senses and we had fought and it was at nighttime and I'm gonna be honest with you, we didn't want to fix it. I was tired. Like at nine o'clock, if we're still fighting, I'm done. Like, can we just we'll put this on pause and we'll deal with it tomorrow. I'm not going to bed angry. I'm just saying, like, can we just agree that we both disagree and let's go to bed and we'll deal with this another night? Because when you're young, you stay up till 2 or 3 in the morning and your neighbors are up. That's not how we work now. You're old. Who cares? (laughs) I'm not kidding. Like, it's going to be another day. We've made it 31 years. I'm sure we'll make it through another night. And the next morning we get up and now, mind you, we work at the same place. But we drive separately because one is always on time and one struggles with time management. And I said to Randy, I looked at him, and, he said, and, and I said, okay, well, I'm going to head out and go. And he goes, okay. I said, oh, is, how this, is this how this going to be? He said, yeah. I said, Clinton, come here. I said, get up. He comes over from the kitchen. I'm right in the hallway. I said, listen to me. That's how it's going to work. I said, there's no one that's going to have you, and there ain't no one that wants me. <clears throat> We're in this forever, and you and me are going to make this work. So I love you, and I'll see you when we get home and we can talk about this. He said, you're right. Ain't nobody going to have you. (laughs) That's what he said to me. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm not the one that got the bad end of this stick here. But it was. The point was is what I was trying to say was, I don't want this to be like this, and you don't either. But I'm telling you, we can make this better. And God with us, there's nothing that we can't make better. Do not settle for not good. Do not settle. And I'm telling you, I've said this before. If it's not good, God's not done. Amen? 2024, what will you use your faith for? Now, that's my message. I think over the next few days, I know you guys have off New Year's Eve night, of course, but you have New Year's Day off. I want you to take time to visit with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't take hours It just takes moments. And get up before you put your feet on the ground and say, Lord, Holy Spirit, I want to be aware of what you want out of me for 2024. What have I grown complacent in? What have I made an idol? What have I been disobedient in? What do you want me to create new with my mouth, with my faith this year? What do you want me to do? And just let him talk. I promise you, moms, as you're pulling laundry out of the dryer, because you got one day before everybody goes back to work and everybody goes back to school, and I get it, and you haven't touched the laundry before the Christmas break. God sees you, and he knows what you need, and he knows what can make it right. And you know, God has this way of dealing with some of the, the things that he knows connected to the roots of other things in our lives. Pastor Ricky and I were talking in Lynn yesterday about this. But God oftentimes doesn't deal with immediately what you think is the initial problem. He deals with something up here. But it's kind of like the Ten Commandments when they tried to, to spice Jesus' life up. And, he, and they're like, which is the two greatest of them? And he gives them two at the top. What was he saying? He was saying that if you love your God with all of your heart, mind, and soul, and you love your neighbor as, Christ, as you love yourself, or as, then you're not going to be a murderer. You're not going to steal. You're not going to covet your neighbor's wife. You're not going to disobey your parents. Because these two are the most important. And if God is the governor of your life, then all the rest of these things will fall into place. God may be asking you to just simply pray every day. It could be that simple. And the prayer is going to begin changing the heart of the one that's praying. And all these other things are gonna to begin to fall off. Or maybe he's gonna ask you to show up to the gym because he knows that you really have a problem with gluttony. But if he talks about gluttony because of the way your parents made you feel about food, you'll turn him off like you've turned all of them off. Do you understand? He's gentle, he's gentle, and he's kind. And he's not gonna pull a splinter out until it's ready and it comes to the surface. That's who God is. I'll never forget once when I told my dad about a guy in the church that had a problem. I said, dad, you know he's got this problem. I saw it in the spirit. He said, I do. I said, well, you should deal with that problem because obviously I thought I knew better. And he said well let me ask you honey he said if someone if a splinter's not ready to come to the top should you just get a big knife and start digging at it to get it out i said yeah that's exactly what you do you put some aura gel on it you get a needle and you start digging and he said well that's not how the holy spirit works when it's ready he'll bring it to the surface and you watch that young man will come to me and he'll ask me to pull it out and when i do it'll be out for good but yours will cause infection. Yours will call infestation. Yours will call an an aggravation. And you want me to inflame that place that's already been hurt. That's what you want me to do. I say, you're right, that's what I want you to do. He's a Christian, he's in sin. And dad's like, and in God's time, he won't be, and it'll come out. You know, nine months later, that young man showed up in my dad's office. Pastor, can I talk to you? Sure, Come on in. Dad calls me from the upstairs office. Whenever that number rang, I always answered. I said, yeah, Dad. He said, pulled the splinter out today. and got it all. i oh, the no phone. Oh. Let the Holy Spirit bring it to the top. Let him tell you what he wants to deal with because there's splinters in every one of us. Maybe you're here today and you just want a new life because your old life has been so bad and you want to restore this relationship with Christ, you're like, I want, it. I want to have a new life in him. I want to use my faith to create something different. But you just don't understand, I'm so bad. I'm so bad, I've hurt so many. I've done so much. God's in the new beginning business. He specializes in this for you and I. And all of us, once we're at the same place you were, we needed a new life. Mine was at age five, I'll be honest with you, I hadn't done much bad things yet. Kissed a boy behind my bed, I got in trouble for that. But sometimes it's harder to make mistakes as a Christian and to realize that God can forgive you. And that you can move on. And that he just wants to proclaim his love for you. Take the hand of the person next to you. I wanna take the time today, first of all, to pray for us as a church and a congregation, but I want you guys to pray one for another for this new year and that the Holy Spirit would speak to each and every one of us. But after we pray, those of you that are together, I want to ask you to give those people around you an invitation.
1: I want to ask you,
0: I'm going to put you in the hot seat. Here's why you have to be able to ask if someone knows Jesus. It's the heart of God. I know it's hard, I know it's uncomfortable, but it'll be all right. If you need resuscitated, we got it. There's nurses here. You're not, you're going to be fine. So when we're done, ask the person around you if they know Jesus. And if they don't, maybe you could lead them in a prayer. And if you don't know how to lead them in a prayer, lead them right to the front. Our prayer team will be in place that they will pray with them. Father, in the name of Jesus, every eye closed. Father, I just begin to pray, Father, for this congregation in the church. Father, I know that the message you gave us was two days after pastor had passed. Now, Father, we know that our life can be different because of what we speak. God, I ask that over the next days, you would begin to speak to this congregation. Father, that you would begin to love on them gingerly, Father. Begin to work things up out of them. Father, that they would be able to surrender to you in 2024. Father, that they would be starters and good finishers. Father, that they would be restful in the word of God that you would speak. Now, Father, I just thank you as they begin to pray for one another that you're even speaking now and that you would reveal these things. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Go ahead and pray one for another and ask if they know Jesus. Okay, church, we love you. We will see you here on Wednesday um, where we're gonna teach a message and then we're gonna start our uh, prayer in January. If you have not purposed in your heart what to do for 21 days, you have until the 7th to decide. Otherwise, I'd love to ask you to join me here every single night for prayer uh, as we start 21 days for a breakthrough in our life. It's a great place to use your faith for 2024. Love you, see you next week.